Welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is pretty exciting. We have a special guest, Jeff Peterson, who is our associate school district legal counsel. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, so, Jeff, to start out, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I would, but you said this was an exciting episode, so um, <laughs> those two things can't work together very I well. I beg to differ, Jeff. Yeah, we know you too well for that. What I have about myself that's exciting is not something that I'm going to share on a podcast, <laughs> but I will share a little bit of why I'm here, maybe, and who I am, and uh, why the district has legal counsel in the first place, right? <laughs> so little bit that's not that related. I grew up in Idaho, southeast Idaho, Rigby to be specific, um, and uh, have been in Utah for longer than I was in was in Idaho, so I've um, been here most of my life now, but I still call Idaho home, I think. I, I like going there, less traffic. So I, um, as far as getting here to the, the school district and as far as becoming an attorney, I think it's probably a similar story than to, to what everybody's had. I was in college not knowing what to do with my life. I was a pre-med major and I was sitting in a chemistry class like everybody's done. And actually as I was taking a test and I realized um, I had no idea what to answer on a lot of the questions. And was I it organic there, chemistry? No, I never made it that far. This oh, was just okay. like chem, just chem 106. So okay. it was a second class. Okay. Um, and I was, you know, my dad, the dentist, was like, you should be an anesthesiologist. So I was like, that's a great idea. That sounds cool. It's a big word. <laughs> they probably make money, so I'll do that. But I was in chemistry, and um, and I had I'd been there for three hours on this test, staring at questions. And I wrote down, after like skipping two questions, I finally wrote, okay, you got me. I have no idea. And I just left that. And I, I just bailed on the test and I stopped going back to class. Um, and I just didn't go back to that class at all and got a pretty low grade, as you can imagine. And I, I thought, what am I doing with my life if I, if I don't like this subject? And meanwhile, I loved my English classes, my literature classes, mm -hmm. and my professors would stand up and say, what a great job they had. They just got to read and then talk about what they read. And I thought that sounds just right. So I switched majors to English, um, and when I told my professors, they said, what have you done? No, bad idea. You're never going to make any money. Can you go back? Switch back. So I, uh, I didn't switch back, uh, but I did have a professor, who, my chemistry professor, who called me up and said, hey, you didn't even come in and take the final. What, what's up? Come back and, and see what you can get on this final. So I went back in. Um, and I got a few points, and I it bumped my grade, but what it really did for me was not get me back into the sciences, but it helped me realize how effective a good teacher can be and how ah. somebody can reach outside themselves and say, I care about you, the individual student, even though, you know, a professor in a class like that has hundreds of students, but he, this, and this was after the semester had ended, he, he knew enough to see that I lived close enough to campus um, and to have him personally call me and care enough about my grade, to care more about my grade than I did, was was pretty impactful. So that started the wheels turning about being a teacher. I had never considered it before that point. Um, went through, got my English degree, um, took some teaching classes, uh, uh, you know, thinking maybe I'll be a teacher. But I thought I wanted to teach at the college level. Um, but after after having my bachelor's degree, I started working at the state hospital here in Provo, um, just as a paraeducator and was fascinated by um, the work of special ed and working with those students and I thought wow we're all we're all so much the same these kids are just like me um, and so I, I kind of switched courses and instead of going to grad school in English I thought I'm going to get a special ed teaching license 
So I went back to school in the evenings, uh, became a special ed teacher, taught for a few years, and then realized, wow, there's like this this job is all about laws. They keep saying the law says this, the law says that, you have to do this, you can't do that, and I, I didn't know if I should believe everybody, and I kept saying, what law are you talking about? What is this? So that took me um, to law school, um, and I always hoped to get back to education, and luckily I did. I, I spent a few years in Logan at a little firm doing whatever came through the door, so I had a lot of experience with um, family law, with uh, some bankruptcy, with some personal injury things, criminal defense, uh, went to, to court a few times defending some, some people. A um, lot of good experience there, but it wasn't quite where I wanted to be. I, I just didn't feel like that was it for me. Um, and then luckily in 2011, Nebo decided, hey, we need a, another lawyer. They had had one already. Um, and I threw my hat in and, and I feel like I won the lottery because I got picked and I've been here ever since. And um, it does feel like what I what I always wanted, even though I didn't quite know how to get there. So that's, I guess, me and how I got here and why I'm here. So similar to you said just about every that's what i said everybody's had the same to it yep then. everybody's had the same same experience as me i love that though and i hope that if our students are listening they take away from your story that you might think you know what you want to do right when you start college and then look how many different yeah. twists and turns your path took you on and now like you said like this job was made for you yeah and you're dang good at it jeff yep, yep. you really Thank are you Thank you. So, why does a school district need legal counsel? You know, that's a very good question, Lindsay. Thank I'd you. like to answer it. <laughs> Please. So, in, like a legal answer. In Utah, there are, I think, seven or eight of the biggest school districts have in-house legal counsel. Um, there's, you know, 41 districts or so, and so obviously the smaller ones don't have, have legal counsel. It's a, a big administ- administrative cost, right? But a school district is a legal entity. Um, it's created uh, by the Utah legislature under the Constitution. It, as, a, as an entity, can sue and be sued. It deals with a lot of money. It deals with a lot of people, right? I mean, in Nebo, we've got thousands and thousands of people that are involved, from students to employees to parents. Um, and whenever you've got a group that big, there's going to be conflict, right? And there's a lot of rules to try to govern that conflict and to... Um, accomplish our goal of educating students and not everybody always understands those rules not everybody always follows those rules and so when conflicts arise when violations of rules or policies or laws arise um, there's a need to resolve those in a way that's civil and that arrives at a conclusion that's helpful so um, that's I think one of the reasons Nebo decided to hire legal counsel was recognizing um, if we could provide some in-house training um, that's based on the law, if we could not have to call an outside law firm every time a legal issue comes up, which I know they had been doing in the past, mm-hmm. um, up through about the year 2000, they had been doing that. And they, they got to a point where they needed somebody down the hall rather than, oh, this person's in a hearing, they'll call you back tomorrow. They needed some immediate answers. Um, and so they, they hired one. And then 10 years later, they realized there's just a lot of work and we, we need a little bit more help. So they brought me in. Um, and so, you know, a school district will have counsel to, to provide training, to help uh, draft policies. And then there's always going to be some lawsuits, right? So, so sometimes the school district gets sued for things. And 
Um, the lawyers will help walk the, the district through that lawsuit. Um, we do get help from the uh, Attorney General's office. Uh, they provide the direct counsel through litigation, um, but we work closely with them. We, we do a lot of the document gathering, a lot of the um, reading through responses and briefs and, and helping them get ready for court. Um, and then there are some, some disputes that are not handled by the Attorney General's office that we do internally. Um, administrative type uh, complaints and, and conflicts, we, we handle those. Awesome. So I know a big part of your job uh, revolves around policy. And I'm not sure everyone out there understands the difference between laws and policy. Can you kind of talk to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so if you remember going back to your, oh, I don't know what classes you call them, your, your history of the U.S. classes, right, mm -hmm. how our country was founded, I mean, you could go all the way back and say, okay, we, we have a constitution, and that constitution is a written document that says, here's a group of people that all live in the same place, right, the country, the, the United States, and it says, as a group of people living in this same geographic area, we want to follow certain rules. And so this this document, this constitution, um, governs how we interact with each other. It governs the powers and rights that people have, and, and there's got to be a governing body, and this uh, explains what powers and rights that governing body has. And then within that constitution, obviously it breaks out uh, the different branches of government and who does what, and you have a legislative branch that passes laws and statutes. Um, and so that's typically what we refer to when we say the law says this. You know, you've got your your statutes, and then there's also some administrative rules that different uh, agencies devise. Then at the state level, we have a similar structure. We have a state constitution, and we have a state legislature that passes laws, and we have to follow those laws. Um, those laws create a school district, like I said earlier on. And within a school district, we have kind of that same structure because we've got a group of people that live in the same geographic area, mm -hmm. um, and we have to work together and live together, and we have a set of rules that we need to follow. And in a lot of cases, the laws will provide the, that guidance and those rules for us to follow. Um, but there are some things that are specific to Nebo School District that are not written out in law somewhere, but we need something to describe how we're going to um, follow certain procedures, how we're going to resolve mm -hmm. disputes, what we're going to do when certain situations arise. And so we have an elected board, right? The, the school board is elected by the public, um, so that's how we make sure that this is the voice of the people that are telling us this is what we do as a school district. And the board adopts the policies. So a policy is a written document similar to a law, but it's written up and then approved by the board in a, uh, an open and public meeting. The board will review the, the policies ahead of time, have discussions about them, sit on it for a month, um, come back to another board meeting, um, read through it again, or just, you know, having read through it, take a vote on, yes, we want this to be this policy in Nebo School District. And so uh, all school districts have policies. Um, they're specific to the, the districts and the boards that want to pass those policies. Um, a lot of them are similar because a lot of policies are based on laws. Uh, there's a lot of law that requires us to have a certain policy. The legislature, for example, will say every district needs to have a policy on bullying, right? Because mm -hmm. bullying is important to everybody in the state. And as a legislature, we want to make sure that we eliminate bullying from our school districts. So school districts, you have to adopt a policy that spells out how you're going to address that. So we do that in compliance with those laws. 
There are some that are not spelled out, like I said. Uh, one of the first ones I, I worked on when I got here, uh, we needed a policy on on student memorials, right? There had been a recent death of a student, and there was a lot of uh, a, there were a lot of voices in the community saying, "What can we do to honor this student, to commemorate, to to remember?" Um, and there were a lot of different ideas, and nobody knew quite how to respond to those. We wanted to be respectful uh, to the people who suggested things, but we also had to recognize we can't, you know, put up 75 benches around the school that all have this kid's name on them, or we can't plant trees everywhere, and we can't build buildings in honor of this student because there can be some other legal implications. There can be some free speech rights um, that are implicated there. So we we needed to spell out this is what we're deciding as a district will be the the policy we follow when it comes to student memorials and and the board has the authority to make those decisions for all those who are employed by the district and all the students who choose to attend the district thank Great. you that is so helpful and and i hope as people are listening they are learning a little bit more about well one right now the difference between policies and law and then what we do here in nebo and we have certain policies that are just for Nebo, right? Not based on a law like you just talked about. Um, okay. The legislative session is in session it right is. now. Yes. So when it ends, does your workload go up? Yeah, it typically does. Um, although I will say that I usually can't quite keep up. So I'm still still trying to work on last legislative <laughs> session a little bit. Um, that's not entirely true. Uh, but yeah, the, the legislative session, you know, they go for 45 days and the legislature passes a lot of laws. They revise a lot. Um, in a typical year, there's anywhere from 100 to 150 bills um, that are specific to public education, K-12, and that affect the school districts. And I, I used to keep a little bit better track on how many of those would usually pass and then of those that passed, how many had specific things that districts needed to do, especially policy-wise. And, and it w- seems like it was usually, you know, 70 or 80 would pass, and wow. then of those, at least half would have some specific change to a policy that needed to happen. Um, so we'll be watching those. We'll, we'll try to pay attention to all those bills as they go through. Um, there is a little bit of work during the session. Uh, there's a group of other attorneys for school districts um, that I'm a part of, and we, we communicate a lot about the bills that are being floated and, and how we think those might affect the, the schools mm-hmm. um, and, and how well we think we'll be able to um, work with those those bills, right? I mean, some of them get drafted and, and they're, they're maybe done by people who are well-intentioned but haven't thought through what that's going to look like in an actual school. And so we try to provide some input. Um, there's been times when we've we've sent letters to legislators and we've worked with the um, the Office of Legislative Research and General Counsel who drafts the bills uh, to provide input. And, and my experience with them is it's always been good. They've been very receptive to our input. They often seek out our, our input. Um, but there's also only, like I said, eight or eight of us or so attorneys, um, and we're just one small voice among many who are who are trying to um, to work with the legislature on on the bills that they pass, and, and they've also obviously got their constituents. So we can't keep up with everything, and sometimes bills will slip by, and we'll find out after the fact. Oh, did anybody pay attention to this one? No. Well, let's see how this is going to work. So we'll take those, you know, and, and once the session ends, we'll review uh, those bills. We, we usually have tracking sheets, and we talk about them, and we put them on our policy agenda, and we say, here are the policies that we need to update based on these these bills that passed. 
there's also a lot that um, direct the State Board of Education to make changes to their rules. They have a set of administrative rules. Uh, it's found in the Utah Administrative Code, and that also affects our, our policy work. So once they make their changes, usually during the summer, then we'll usually, by you know the early fall, have another work, uh, a big bunch of, of work to do to update our policies consistent with those rules. And before you take these policies that have been edited or adjusted or whatever to the board and board meeting, what where does it go between you and then being on for discussion or approval at board meeting? So we've got a policy committee. Um, there's a committee of administrators at the district office, and it, it includes. Uh, it seems to keep growing. It's a pretty big committee, but <laughs> the uh, you know the main people that are involved would be you know me and um, the other legal counsel, and then we've got the directors uh, are included there, and the assistant and associate superintendents are both part of that. So we meet at least twice a month um, to uh, discuss the drafts. You know, I do. I take the lead on on the actual writing. I maintain the drafts and I um, I track all the changes so that everybody can see what changes have been made. Um, then you know a few days before each policy meeting, I will send out those drafts and let everybody review them. And then we meet for a couple of hours on a Monday and we have the the drafts up on a big screen so everybody can see them and they can see the actual changes, the actual wording uh, that's been changed. We talk through it. We talk through what that will look like in schools. We talk through the input we've received um, from uh, whether it's students or parents or other community members or employees. Uh, we talk through how that may affect everybody. And then once the policy committee is comfortable with the changes, then uh, at the next board meeting we post those for the board to review ahead of time, and then they are able to discuss them at the board meeting. Awesome. So it's a it's a big process to get something from law at the state level to policy at the district level. Takes a bit of work, yeah. There's uh, a lots lots of sets of eyes that have a look at these policies. A lot of people discuss them. We try to be as fast as we can with it, obviously, but you also want to be thorough and you want to be careful with with what's written because it can have some pretty real world implications to people when when a board adopts a policy and it affects directly affects either as a student, you know, how your education is going, or as a parent, how you interact with your, uh, you know, your students, uh, teachers, or as an employee, how you do your job, right? So we want to be careful with that. Okay, so we've we've learned a lot about Jeff Peterson, the district legal counsel, and, and kind of your role there. We want to talk for just a couple of minutes at the end of the program about Jeff Peterson, the person. I, I think our listeners... Uh, enjoy getting to know some of the district personnel in more of a personal um, nature, knowing a little bit about who they are outside of work. And you and I, we've known each other for a long time, and I know you have a lot of hobbies, a lot of interests. Um, you, you do a lot of things with your kids. Just tell us just a few of the things that you really enjoy doing in your personal time. Well, it's hard to remember. The law is a jealous mistress, and that becomes your <laughs> your entire life sometimes. So, we know so that's not true. You have to be careful. Um, it, it, it's possible for work to take over your entire life. There is there is enough work at the district that I could be there late evening every night and still not get it all done. So um, you got to be pretty deliberate about making sure you, you have other things going on in your life. So... Um, I'm happily married and I have four kids, all of whom attend Nebo schools and we, we've moved into the teenager stage. So whereas 
a few years ago, my interest would have been more geared towards small children. Now, um, it's, it's more, uh, more to do with older kids, right? Uh, my kids like to do mountain biking, uh, some other sports. We like music in our house. So a lot of what I do revolves around them and their activities, when which is really you, enjoyable. When you say you like music, I know, uh, you used to be a little bit more involved in music, right? And your favorite genre is like like country, right? Like uh, okay, like stop, stop. Let me stop you right there. Let me. Now you've poked the bear just a little bit. Um, all right. So I cannot make any claims to being a musician. Um, my mom taught me piano as a small child, but I was. Uh, there was enough of a lawyer in me, even at age nine, that I was able to argue with my mom, convince her that this was not a good thing for me, not a path I wanted to go down, and even come up with a solution where I would take guitar lessons from my dad in and not have to continue piano. And she agreed to that because she said, as long as you're learning an instrument. Well, I knew that my dad was very busy and that um, the two of us would probably be able to make that much more palatable than piano lessons and so my dad taught me guitar for a few months but as as things happen it just kind of the lessons fizzled out and that that didn't go anywhere till probably about eighth or ninth grade when I got a real interest in um in some other guitar music uh it's okay you can you can talk some about electric it. guitar music so and I had a friend who was the same so we 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 got ourselves some electric guitars, and we taught ourselves a few power chords, and uh, we started learning some songs, uh, just some generic rock music. I think the first song we learned was a song called Cotton Amash by a band called Anthrax, um, something that probably everybody is familiar just with, and Absolutely. just stuff yes. you listen to with your mom all the time. <laughs> uh, we pulled a few other friends in. I, my little brother played drums. Um, in fact, he was the only person in our band who was actually a good musician, I think. He... He was very good. Um, he was very bored with us usually. He, in fact, he well, he didn't even have to come to all the practices. He'd just show up and do his thing. The rest of us were all trying to plunk out a few songs. With with a little band like that, you just turn up the distortion, and it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make. It just all kind of blends into this noisy noisy sound. So, so that was a fun way to spend some of my high school years was um, making music that way. We learned dozens of songs. We wrote about a dozen uh, but up in Idaho, as you can imagine, I mean, we didn't have access to a recording studio. We didn't, like, have anything official like that. But but it was fun. But I guess one thing that came out of that is um, some strong friendships that I made. And uh, we recently, uh, I, w- I don't know if I'd say reconnected, but this group of friends and I, uh, we'd moved to all different parts of the country. Um, but at the start of the pandemic, when we were, you know, all in our houses, not going anywhere, and getting familiar with doing Zoom meetings, um, we had had a text group going on, and and one of our one of the the guys in in this friend group said, "Hey, there's there's a new album by a band coming out. Let's listen to it, and then like text each other what we think about it, right? Because you know when when you're in high school, you would always look for the release dates of the new albums, mm-hmm. and you right. you'd all yep. go to like. Um, Barnes and Noble or Hastings or someplace, and you'd all buy it at midnight on these release yep. parties, and then you'd go home and you'd sit in, in in a room in the basement, and you'd all listen to this CD, and you'd just love it, and it was just so much fun. And then somebody was like, "Well, hey, we've been doing these like video calls, right? Let's why don't we just like get on a video call and, and listen to it together?" And we're like, "Well, that's kind of weird, but okay, because we had done it for work, but never for pleasure." So, so we, you know, somebody set up a Zoom call and we sat down and we listened to this album. 
and then we talked, and it was the first time I'd seen some of their faces in, in 15 years, probably. Others mm-hmm. I had seen, but some of these guys, uh, we'd texted, but I hadn't seen their faces. And we looked a lot older and fatter, but <laughs> um, but it was fun to see them and and to talk and to feel like we were teenagers again, just sitting in a basement listening to music. And yeah. so after it ended, somebody said, well, let's do this again, because it was really fun. And it's, I mean, it took us back to being being teenagers. And so we thought, okay, well... While while everything while the world's on shutdown, we can do this, right? We thought it would just be a couple more times. Well, that has continued um, ever since you know March of 2020, and just about every Friday we hop on and we share some music. Each of us just picks a few songs and we share them and and just talk about music. And it's it's been I a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah, great. Did they like the new Winger album? <laughs> I know you and I have talked about it because um, I, I really liked it. I didn't like their old stuff. What's but. a so, winger? <laughs> um, winger is a band named after Kip Winger, who was the guy that started the band. So I'll have to say that I did not share that with this group, so I, I have not brought it up with them. I, I know you didn't love it as much as I did. No, not quite as much. Um <laughs> There's, we're, we're pretty diverse with our music. I, I get laughed at because I share classical music a lot. I, I, I'm a big fan of what you might call classical, which I think needs to be divided into other genres. It's not yes. just all classical. But um, when I share you know, some Renaissance choral music or um, you can't share symphonies, there's just not enough time to share this hour-long piece with them. But if I'll get <laughs> you know, some little movements of a piano sonata or something, they're... Most of them are receptive, and they say, wow, that was a lot of notes. That was really good. But, um, there's a few that are like, oh, this, I just can't stand this. But they, they've been pretty good about that. But the one thing that we all have in common is there's just been no country music shared. I think that... Can I join your group? You bet. Um, we, Any of us, if we were to share country music, would be kicked out. Um, oh. And I don't know if that's just us reacting against small-town rural Idaho where we grew up, and we just felt like... It's the rebellion. We had to rebel against the norm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but something about that. It's we not just, brought up in this group. No. Dang. It wouldn't be. The closest it's come is I've shared some bluegrass and some old folk music, and okay. that's been received pretty well, but... Okay. Yeah, that doesn't count as country. No, it's, so. it's different, so... But yeah, so music's great. Um, and like I said, my kids, uh, I do a lot of activities with them. They they take music lessons and they, they love to, to play music. Well, maybe they don't love it. We love to hear them play music and um, it's great. We try to have music going in the house. We also like to do a lot of outdoor activities. We go hiking uh, as often as we can. Like I said, the kids do mountain biking. I'm not in shape enough to do any mountain biking, so I sit on the sidelines. And cheer. Yeah, and cheer. cheer. That's all they need. That's right. Well, and I think That's you awesome. and your wife did this major trip down in South Central America. We, yeah, we visited Costa Rica a couple years ago. Um, had a really fun time there. Um, it's an easy place to travel to. They make it very friendly for um, for tourists. Uh, easy to get around, to rent a car, drive around. I mean, grateful for the roads that we have here. I mean, there were potholes the size of cars that we had to navigate around. And not every road is paved, right? I mean, they... Uh, the little guidebooks I looked said, make sure you get a four-wheel drive when you're at your car because you don't know where you'll be. And it rains all the time, and so roads get washed out. But, man, it, a lot of people speak English, and my wife and I both speak Spanish, so it was easy for us yeah. to get around. That's and awesome. Really nice to just have a, a trip with just the two of us. It's not something we can do very often, you know, as we got our kids that we're taking care of. Um, we, we take some trips with them, but that was uh, that was a fun trip that we took. That is awesome. Well, Jeff, we're so grateful that you came today, but we do have one more question. Okay. We ask all of our guests the same question. 
What three words would you want people to use when describing Nebo School District? It's a pretty good question. What three words? They're limited to three words. Mm-hmm. You could do phrases as three, well. Um, three words or phrases. Okay, three terms. Mm-hmm. Um, a defined term. Can my phrase be 45 words long? No, I won't. I'm not going to go that long, far. That's too much. Three words or phrases to describe Nebo. What, what I would want. Yeah, what um, would you want people to say? I would want Nebo School District to be described as um, as welcoming. Mm. That's a good one. As uh, effective, and what I mean by that is effective in its mission to educate kids. Um, Love that. Welcoming, effective. Do I have to have three? Yes. I mean, those are pretty yeah. comprehensive those words. Those are good, that I came but up we need with, one right? more. But being an English major, you'd think uh, that I'd know more words, right? Have a lot of words. No, there's. All kinds of words. Can I open up a policy and find a word there? Um, I said welcoming, and I said effective. effective. This one might be a little similar to welcoming, right? I mean, it's kind of the same idea. Um, but, you know, I like I, this idea that I want it to be a place that is safe and that is kind and that, uh, you know, people want to be there. And that, that's very similar to welcoming, but... But I think maybe there's enough of a difference that you just want you want people to be safe here. You want people to feel loved and to belong, and um, and that's 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 kind of one of the driving, I guess, desires that I have in in the work that I do is to try to make sure that all the work I do has the overall effect of of being inclusive and and providing a safe and welcoming place for people. Love it. I love it. Well, Jeff, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be here. You are very welcome. Thanks, guys. Seth, it is our most favorite time of the podcast where we get to shout out amazing employees across the district. We are so grateful to Murdoch Ford for giving these amazing employees a free oil change. So thank you, Murdoch. Our first employee that's going to be shouted out is Cheryl DeNoggle from Barnett Elementary. She is the secretary. Cheryl is an amazing person. She is kind and friendly to all staff, students, and parents. Not only is she an incredible multitasker, but she has a positive, happy vibe about her as she goes about her duties. She goes above and beyond to help teachers fill sub-jobs or will even try to arrange for planning time specialists or Title I technicians to help if a sub cannot be found. She helps schedule buses for field trips and will order classroom supplies for teachers. I also observed earlier this year that when a teacher was sick, Cheryl brought in some lemons and honey so she could make this teacher a drink that would help with her sore throat. She is so kind and thoughtful, constantly helping those around her. Thank you, Cheryl, for being an amazing secretary. And our next recipient is Debbie Christensen, who works in elementary education and curriculum at the district office. Debbie is such an amazing person. She's always willing to help anyone and dive in no matter what the task. She's kind to everyone around her and has personally made all of us in the district office feel welcome. During some hard times over the past two years, she's gone above and beyond to help some of her co-workers and their families get through some very difficult situations. And I know, personally, I've had the opportunity to interact a lot with Debbie, and she is a real lifesaver. Thank you, Debbie, and congratulations, and thank you, Murdoch Ford, for sponsoring these awards. (laughs) 